100 Thieves and Team Liquid punched their ticket to Worlds, and now we've got four more teams that have to scrap it out to get the last spot. I can't say all of the series this past week were bangers, but the two over the weekend on Saturday Sunday were absolutely amazing. Let's start with those, JNT. EG100 Thieves was awesome. What were your thoughts? Um, Viego's little unbalanced, I think, was my first thought watching this series. Um, I can't remember how many times you saw Viego in this series. I think it was three. Never mind. Uh, it was actually all yeah. five games. I actually just looked at the game list right now. We it, we saw it all five games, and it was four and one. So... Yeah, I forgot to say that this is episode 55 of the Clown Fiesta podcast, so for what that's worth. But yes, we saw a lot of Viego. And I think the reason why you say, like, oh, was it three games? It's because that's how many games he absolutely popped off and just styled on people. The thing is, the the one criticism that I have with Viego is that everyone, including myself, will point towards how OP this champion is and just how strong a team, well, you know, how many wins they get straight up from that champion alone. But, like... It gets through bans so often, and any team can pick it, but they're not. So it's like it's really confusing to see everyone complain about how busted the champion is, and then the priority of the champion just isn't there. Like, if it was that busted, it should be banned. Yeah. It, on red side specifically, right? Because blue side gets first pick. The thing that makes it interesting, it's kind of like the risk versus reward of one, playing the champion, and two, giving up the champion. Because if you can't get that first reset, or you, you even just reset on, like, not so great of a target, the champ is just much weaker than it actually is should you get a reset. Because we saw, yeah. like, this weekend, like, so many, like, on, on so many different occasions in the LEC and in uh, the LCS, how, like, a Viega will just, you know, <laughs> he'll possess somebody, be at 1 HP, get the heal, then get a triumph heal, then get all the enemy CDs, another ult proc, then do it all over again. And it just feels like all of these things in combination with one getting that reset on the right target is what makes this champion really OP. Because if the champion doesn't get its first reset, like you're basically playing a champion without an ultimate and without a passive. Like obviously, yeah, yeah. He, he has the passive on like when he hits abilities, gets the double stab and a bit of lifesteal. But the, the, the main part of the champion's passive is getting those possessions, getting the enemy champion's uh, skills, and getting that massive heal. And it just feels like once you can actually get that, and you get it on the right target because like so many times in a bunch of various games we saw champions get a possess on like an aurelia ronald leblanc or just on some like really fed solo laner that just can like really turn the tide in a fight it just is obviously super broken but you know in the majority of games if you can play around it correctly and shut it down it's much weaker than like your average champion yeah and i'm sorry because i i still have more to say on viego i'm sorry guys i'll try not to go too long on viego but the thing is, is that one thing I need to highlight is that the champion was not played well into it. Like, the way that these teams are playing into it is pretty poor. Like, these were mistakes that allowed Viego to do what he does. And I don't get me wrong, I still believe Viego does need some nerfs to, to, uh, um, to just how strong he is. But, for instance, Contracts taking that Lee Sin Q and then not Wing out, if you remember which play I'm talking about, JNT, around River in the mid lane, I think it was game one, that gave a bunch of resets. Like, that is just a bad play by contracts, and the resets shouldn't have even happened in the first place. So to me, like, while oh, I was that the one where he see... got like the three kills right at the beginning of the game? Yes, yes. Okay. Well, I think first, uh, I believe that EG got two kills. Yeah, and yeah. Contracts and then, was yeah, he, out, yeah. landed the Lee Sin Q, decided to go back in, which was actually fine, by the way. 
but he w'd to a teammate which did like he could have w'd out of the fight altogether instead of w'ing to a teammate where ultimately yeah, he yeah. was just not very far from Viego and, and then closer was like okay and just killed him and then the reset started so to me that's more of a misplay from contracts and uh, like i said i'll try to not go on about Viego let's look to, more towards contracts he did not have a very good series despite the fact that i still think he's the better starter yeah, one quick point um, that I'll just say to finish on this. I also think one of the reasons why Diego's just really strong right now is because he's people have kind of cued in on how broken Wits End is, and Wits End is kind of like the perfect uh, item for Diego. Gives him AD, gives him attack speed, gives him magic resist, obviously into the comp, which is good, move speed, and then more on-hit damage. Um, but, you know, to further talk about jungle and uh, the whole Contracts versus Sven Skarin thing, I definitely agree that I don't think Contracts had a very good series. It, it No. Not at all. It was pretty weird to see him on Lee Sin for those first three games because his jam has been like more of Diana for the majority of times that he's been playing. And Diana was, mm -hmm. was available. And I believe all three of those games that they did actually end up picking him Lee Sin. I think he played one Diana game though, right? I'm pretty sure he did. Well, yeah, he played. I just, I was referring to the first, he played Diana in game four, but those first three yeah. games, it was like, it was also open. And obviously, even in that game four, he didn't he didn't himself have that great of a game because that game was kind of like Danny one v nine. Yep. But I, I honestly, I was still very puzzled with why they pulled him in game five. Like I know he was having a bad series, and I know like maybe a jungle change could have helped the team. But I just feel like throwing a player in cold in a game five is just not the way to go. Like, like that's. It is interesting, and and I wish I had a strong opinion on that specifically. I do have a strong opinion on um on contracts being the starter because I think we've seen all year long Sven Skarin had the opportunity to be a starter and he didn't really do much with it this year. I think that Sven Skarin has been very uh, bean soup, let's say, uh, in comparison to what we're used to seeing out of Sven Skarin for the last, I don't know how many years he's been. He's 2016 in the LCS. We were seeing Sven Skarin be a lot worse than what we were used to. And so I don't think that Sven Skarin can be sitting there being upset that he goes out and sees contracts play poorly when to me all year long Sven Skarin has been very low influence on the game. So I think if you're Sven Skarin, you need to have the mentality of maybe this series was not my fault because I didn't play, but the fact that I'm not a starter is my fault and I need to, you know, get back to the grind and get better and have more influence on games. And that's why I think Sven or contracts is starting is because he has been a lot more aggressive and I think that that's the kind of playstyle that EG wants. Sven Skarin's been a lot, like, way too slow, and Contracts has not. And even though the sample size of games in the LCS is not very big from Contracts, we've just seen better things out of him, and that's why I still think that uh, he was the right pick for this series. And you make a really good point that putting in a guy cold for Game 5 is a little bit questionable. Yeah, like, it was also just even more weird because they had just won the previous game. Like, it, it's a more, like, to, in my opinion, it's a more understandable scenario to, let's say, you were up 2-1, and then in game four, you had a really fucking terrible game, and, like, you were the team that lost, and, like, your jungler completely into the game away. And it's like, okay, yeah. then I can maybe, like, understand, you know, swapping your other jungler in game five, who hasn't played the other four games, and probably isn't in the flow of things. Um, But, I mean, it, it's just so weird to me. I, I think, obviously... Like we've mentioned, Contracts wasn't playing very well. But I do agree with you that I think he should be the continued starter. However, should he put up uh, a similar performance to this in the next series, I think we could see him yoinked earlier. Like yeah. maybe after like a, a game one loss or maybe they go down 2-0 or something like that. 
Well, and who's to say that contract starts, right? At this point, I, I have no idea. I mean, last week we didn't know what to think about who would start. And I think now we really don't know what to think about who's going to start. Because, uh, let's be honest, neither one of them was that great. And I think it's we're now starting to see one of the problems that EG has, and it's in the jungle, which is not a role you want a problem in. Um, with that said, I still think that this is not just on the jungle, this series. I think that coming in, the expectation was high on this team because they looked good for most of summer. And you would you would think that you would see that in the playoffs, but we didn't. Honestly, you could point to Impact not looking as good as he should be. I thought Ignar had a really bad game five specifically. I thought Sven Skaren had a bad game five. I thought Jazuke was very hit and miss in the series. And so we're talking so much about the jungle, but this team struggled top to bottom, uh, despite the fact that it was still a close series. Uh, I guess my point is that they looked worse this past weekend than we've seen in a long time, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. I think this was probably the worst weekend EG's had in maybe like two months, honestly. And it's not even just because like they lost the series. It was just because it felt like all of the players individually weren't playing up to the level. I think yeah. Impact had a pretty horrible series. Um, I, I think, like you said, Jizuke was pretty hit or miss. Ignar was kind of hit or miss. And, you know, we just talked about jungle and it just felt like Danny was putting the team on his back in this one. Yeah, I did say top to bottom, which isn't fair because Danny absolutely, I mean, he was great. It yeah. wasn't just the one, I mean, let's be honest, that game four Penta, unofficial Penta, is the moment everyone's going to remember. And it was absolutely insane, in my opinion, the play of the year. But other than that, he still had a good series. Like he's, I can't believe, I think I said this last week, so I'm sorry if I'm repeating myself, but I can't believe how good his AD carry instincts are. It is unbelievable to me how in your face he can be specifically with Tristana and how much patience he has on his jump to keep himself safe. You could, like It looks like he's a Tristana one trick. He's so good on that champion. Unbelievable. Uh, so, so, so crazy. Yeah, the one thing that I totally forgot about that like I got reminded of was like in the middle of the series was like he's only 17. And I knew like everybody knew that because everyone recognized everyone like coming into it was it's like so oh crazy, this guy's like a super young player. We're kind of like ditching Deathly and we're throwing this really young rookie in. It was kind of a risky move. But like you said, this guy seems to have the balls um to play well in big moments and I think that's super important for him going forward. And similar to many other young ADCs that we've seen in the past, I hope, you know, one bad series doesn't, like, kill his mojo or anything like that. Yeah, and I'll say it again, just as you just said it. He's 17. How do you take that much pressure and just perform like that? That is so amazing to me. Un unbelievable. And the, the, the one thing that I want to remind people of, because I was just thinking about this today, do you remember how EG was looking to acquire Lost? And then Lost ended up going to TSM earlier in the in the offseason. Do you remember this? I think Lost was already on TSM Academy, but he just Lost, was planning but they were on... But because yeah, they were yeah. looking, because Doublelift wasn't sure if he was retiring and whatnot. Yeah, so yeah. the rumor was that EG was going to look to acquire Lost. And what happened was EG ended up with Deathly. Deathly didn't perform so well. And then, oh shit, we need a guy. Let's try this young 17-year-old and look at what you've got now. Now, you could say all day, well, that wasn't on purpose. And of course, it probably wasn't. But just how amazing is it to think that this could have easily been lost playing for EG right now instead of, of, of Danny? That, to me, is amazing. And it's just something I thought of today. I was like, what would the league look like 
if Danny never got his shot? How sad would that be? I mean, maybe he would get his shot in the future, but like this wouldn't have happened what we just saw, which is crazy. Yeah, it's it's just more props to EG um, in terms of like, again, having the for their management, just like going out and making this decision. And like it could have like it could have crashed and burned in their faces. Like you could have thrown the Absolutely. 70 year old rookie up on stage, continue to make mistake after mistake. And I think, you know, I want to say that that was the case at the start, but there were some potential red flags at the start of the split where like within the first three weeks of the season, Danny was having some pretty rough performances, was getting caught out a lot in late game scenarios, sometimes would be too over aggressive in terms of, you know, those dive in moments, but you, you could really see the improvement week over week. And he really yeah. does seem to have a handle on his limits and it's paying dividends for EG because I think they would probably be a much worse team should they have a like a non-factor AD carry in the in the mix. Still not convinced I want to see him on mages though. When they picked him Ziggs in game five, I was really, really sad about that. Not even just the Ziggs, forget the Ziggs, but you want him like he is an AD carry. Like you could tell his his natural instincts are great with AD carry, and then you put him on a mage. So I wasn't a big fan of that. Sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes the draft goes that way. That that's what you have to do. Fine, it, it happens. But I was yeah. I, I, I'm I'm less worried about that mainly because of how strong a pick Ziggs is. I mean, yeah. If Ziggs it, is OP. Like if he, if he if he was back on like the Cinder bot lane, I would definitely be throwing up some question marks on that you know decision making in the game five draft. But I just really wasn't like you know there was a ton of like flame on Twitter and people were like saying why the hell are we playing putting Danny on mages when he like popped up sword on Tristana. It's like dude, if Ziggs is the best champion. I don't know, not the best champion, one of the best champions in the meta right now, and is actually super impactful should you play around it properly, I think that's a great asset to have. The problem was, EEG was just kind of inting it around the map, and they were unfortunately, you know, playing to topside for the Scion, which doesn't really make a whole lot of sense, and I think that's more of where the Bird of the Flame should go, um, was EG's sort of decision to fight so much uh, mid-top side of the map in that game. Yeah. Now, let's talk a little bit about 100 Thieves because it's, for me, it's actually difficult to do because I, when I looked at this series, for me, it was mostly about how EG played that decided the outcome more than 100 Thieves. I still thought 100 Thieves played well. I just didn't think they played really well. I thought it was more EG not playing as well as they should that ended up giving 100 Thieves the series. Um, but did you have any thoughts on 100 Thieves and any of their players that stood out to you? No, honestly, like I kind of agree to that sentiment. Because, like, if you look at the series from the EG perspective, top and jungle had bad series, mid and support were hit or miss, and AD carry was smurfing it, and it was still a close, like, 3-2. Like, yeah. it's very possible that EG could have won that game one had that whole, like, fiasco triple kill not happened. Like, that could have, like, they could have won that game. And the game was, like, felt pretty swung off of that one place. So, like, this was a very close series despite how bad EG was playing. So I think it's a completely accurate statement to, like, hold some concerns for 100 Thieves and not, like, I don't know. Like, I, I, it just feels like, as you said, this is more about EG playing bad than 100 Thieves winning, which is, like, I mean, it sucks to, like, take credit away from 100 Thieves, but, like, you just got to look at the facts here. Like, EG yeah, played exactly. terrible. Yeah, it's, exactly. It's not that we're trying to take away from 100 Thieves. It's just that's what I saw. To me, it was like, wow, Contracts should have had that kick on Lee Sin, but he just kind of choked. And uses war. Oh man, that was oh yeah. Like like oh. things like that, and then and then he inted when he gave the resets to Viega. Like those are game defining plays, 
that if they don't happen or if you just play it as contracts would normally have played it, I think, they, they just win this series. So, yeah, it, it's hard to ignore that, and that's why I think it's so much about EG. However, I will say I, I heard someone on Hotline League tonight talking about how they thought Someday had a really, really good series, and I thought there were some parts of Someday where he looked great, but I also thought there were some that he's absolutely just trolling. Uh, the one play, they get Pryo mid, they go to the um, Abadage and Closer roam top to, to force a dive, and then he uses his Renekton W before they're even there. They're like in tri-brush. Like there's, you use Renekton W for point and click to chain some CC for a dive. They roamed up and he just wasted it, and then it's like, hey, well, we can't dive now, and like, Abadage's probably going, like, why the hell did I even roam? I remember they said it on the on the coast stream, and they're exactly right. Like, that's just so troll to me, how, how you make a play like that. And those plays, if you commit to making a play and getting nothing out of it, that's what can put you behind in games and ultimately lose you games. And so I didn't think that somebody had that great of a series, despite um, some pretty good moments. Some, some GP barrels were amazing, and then some GP barrels were... Well, we saw the Danny play where, like, he just flat out missed everything in the team fight. So, um, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad for for someday for me. And then closer, even though I think a lot of the resets were from bad plays out of EG, you still got to give him credit for popping off. You got to give him some ounce of credit, I guess, and he did that. So, yeah, yeah, I thought um, someday had really good games three and four, uh, but I thought the rest of the series was just kind of meh. Um, I thought his gangplank for the most part was pretty good. Yeah, you, you can point to he fucked up in that last team fight in game four. But I mean, apart from that, he was playing that game really, really well. Um, and I know I've specifically been pretty critical of Someday. And I think this was just kind of like another series where, you know, if Impact's not playing as bad or if they're playing up against a different top laner in this series, like, I think Someday loses. And it's just... I, I continue to worry that someday will be the downfall of 100 Thieves. Yeah, I will say, though, and I think this is something you're kind of saying as well. Stop me if I'm wrong, but I think someday looked better in this series than we've seen most of the year. Yeah, I think in games three and four specifically, he actually himself was doing a lot. Yeah. And that's been my main criticism, criticism of someday is that he doesn't do a lot. He just he does his job. And that's it. Like and and you can't you can't just be like a can't be an average player on a great team. Yeah. the The last thing I'll say is that one thing that stood out to me this series it seemed like so often, and this you could chalk up to draft, um, but it seemed so often that FBI was having trouble outputting damage and Danny was just not, and so it seemed to me that it was really surprising to see who we all thought was the best AD carry in the league, no doubt just kind of get outshined by Danny. That that was something that I don't think anybody saw coming. Even though, like, okay, it's great that Danny popped off, but we didn't see much out of FBI, and I, I guess I expected a little bit more. Not that he was terrible, but I expected more. Yeah, I, I think it's just kind of a byproduct of that one play, because I don't think FBI is the flashiest player in terms of the way that he plays. The way that he plays and gets ahead is by dominating bot lane with who he. And then just like you know, like you'll 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 so often see FBI lane well be up in CS and then just sit in bot lane for ten extra minutes while shit's going on around the map. And I like it feels like maybe every other hundred thieves game he's just solo taking bot lane turret at like twelve minutes, getting all five plates because it's just the way that hundred thieves likes to play. They like to create a lot of chaos in mid top, 
and just have FBI sit down there and just pray to God that the enemy AD carry just decides to run up to the team fight randomly and he'll just take your whole tower. So I never thought that, you know, I've never thought that FBI is like the flashiest player. So, I mean, it, it makes sense they got outshined by Danny because, like, how can you not ignore, like, Danny's monstrosity of a game four where he just, like, absolutely dicked the whole team down? Like, so, it was it was a straight up 1v5. Like, you like, so before, when, people say, when people say 1v5, like, normally it's like, oh, like, it's kind of like a 1v2, then a 1v3. Like, that, that, was, that was a 1v5. Yeah, yeah. Seriously, it actually was. He was kind of stuck in the middle of them because the Rise ulti's coming from behind him. He had to pick a direction and fight his way out, and he did. The, the last thing I'll say on this series, because it's related to that before we move on to TLTSM, is that uh, in uh, during Hotline League tonight, Jazuke was in the live chat, and I learned what he just yelled across. You remember after the play, yeah, he yeah. got up? So I guess he just yelled, let's fucking go. But I guess he stood up to yell it over to the other team because he wanted to make sure that they heard it. <laughs> That's what he said in live chat. <laughs> yeah, I, I just thought that was hilarious. I, I always like it when players get emotional like that. Jizuke is like uh, the whole before the series, during the series, just trying to get in their heads. He's in all chat the whole time. Uh, he has been so fun to watch um, just because he's a freaking maniac, but also he stirs the pot. And uh, yeah, I guess I got to give props to Jizuke for even if he doesn't didn't have the greatest series, he definitely helped make it interesting. Got to give him that. Alrighty, I, I don't have anything else to say. Okay, let's go TLTSM. Uh, another banger of a series. Uh, do you want me to start, or do you want to start? Um, I don't know. I, I just like TL is playing really start. nuts. Like <laughs> unbelievable, right? Like so night and day. Isn't yeah. It? Where it, did this come from? It does feel. It it feels like like the last two weeks that they've played is probably the best team Liquid. I've ever seen. I'm even including like all the other TL rosters in the past. I actually think I agree, which is really crazy to say, but I, I think you're right. Definitely the best best play we've seen all year long from any LCS team. Yes, uh, no doubt. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 yeah, like I'm trying to like because I don't even think like when C9 was peaking at the end, like when they team beat Team Liquid both times, like I think this TL is better than that. Yeah, it, it's so crazy. Someone in the live chat says, if Thorne never made that video, does Alfire even get back in? I think absolutely he gets back in. I don't think uh, their success has really much to do with Thorne, in my opinion. I, I do think a lot of their success has something to do with getting some rest for some of their stars. So, uh, well, what, I'll, what I'll just quickly say to that is it the video was pretty absurd when it first came out because all of the room, the quote unquote, like rumors and sources that Thorne was citing, it just seemed way too far fetched to everybody else. So that's why I felt like that video got a bad rap, got a bad rep. And I, I think honestly, deservingly so just because of how outrageous it was and because of how like crazy it seemed, but then it kind of came true. So I don't know. I it's... still don't. Yeah, I don't know. The thing is, I still think we never really heard from both sides. So I don't like to really say one thing or another on it. Um, what I will say is I am ridiculously impressed. And now it's so crazy because everyone, myself included, pointed to the fact that they couldn't beat any of the top five teams. Well, now it's like, to me, they seem clearly to be the top team. So yeah. uh, that's what is so amazing to me is that. It's just so night and day, and they have Alfari playing weak side. Now, it's 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 actually weird to say weak side because, well, they have 
core JJ and Santorin roaming top to help him every time it looks like he's about to be dope. So it's not even like it's weak side, but he is getting picked counterpicked playing the Nar and like and getting counterpicked with like Irelia, and they're able to play no problem into it. Huni got a great advantage with Irelia, but it didn't matter. Like it was so so crazy. I thought that Huni should just run over that game and he wasn't able to. And I think a big part of that is Core JJ roaming, being there to make sure that the dives are not happening. And honestly, just some outplays by Alfari. Even in some the the one team fight in the bot lane, it looked like he could have got stunned by the Aurelia, whatever her E is called. And he just sidestepped it and then ulted him into the wall. It was just outplays. So, yeah. Unreal. I want to say it's Flawless Duet, but I'm not sure. Maybe. I've heard that name before, but mm. uh, I, I don't know. Yeah. Um, um, the, go ahead. I would just to quickly touch on Alfari, um, his laning is just, like, too good. Like, I, I feel like I say this every single week or every, like, big game that I watch him play. But it just feels like like his laning is just so good. Like we'll, we'll get into game yeah. two because I think that'll be like the meat and potatoes of this. Um, but dude, watching him lane for like that first two minutes against Huni in the Jays versus Wukong matchup was just like absolutely disgusting. Like I was getting like I, I could feel Huni's pain just watching the game, getting zoned off, and like being down like thirty five CS like four minutes into the game or like five minutes into the game. To give credit to TSM, they actually managed to get him back in the game by giving him some plate money. He wasn't that far behind in gold, but to your point, he was really far behind in CS. I think CS was like 100 to 50. He was like double his CS or something like that. Mm. Yeah. Um, what about Core JJ's bard? I thought his bard was insane. Yeah, his bard was pretty much honestly 1v9ing that whole game. TSM was, actually, do TSM was actually doing a really good job of like finding creative ways to get themselves back in that game. Because they, they obviously, TL accrued like a pretty massive gold lead like in the early, early games. Like by early game standards, I think they were up like a thousand gold like five minutes into the game just based off of top lane. And, you know, once they realized that that lane was kind of over, they just found like creative ways to get back into it. And countering uh, Team Liquid's top side pressure with bot side pressure. And just like kind of trading waves like you, you know, Team Liquid kind of took the L on bot lane where and... TSM basically flipped the game on its head by flipping the map, if you if you can understand what that means. Because they had players roaming up to Huni's lane to help him and get him that plate money. And at the same time, TL was then taking the top side pressure once TSM went top and then started going bot. So it was just a really crazy game and it was fun to watch. Um, and I remember one thing Dublev said on his co-stream, because when I was watching the series, that's how I was watching it. And he's basically saying how like you can really identify like the good the, the good players from the great players is how they do in those, like, super chaotic games, and they're able to just, like, break the norms of League, where it's like, okay, your top laner goes top, like, the normal thing is, your top goes top, your mid goes mid, your bot goes bot. It's like, you can do that whenever, and it doesn't matter, because the good teams can make it work. Yeah, and I think it was game two, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it was game two, but I know exactly yeah, no, which it, game. It was game two. I know the game that you're talking about just didn't, okay, sure, it was great, game two, great. Um, yeah, that, to your point, that is all instinct, and that's that's the point that Doublelift is making with that, is that when you do practice, this is the kind of game that you can't practice because it's not something that's going to happen very often, and this is where you see a team's true skill, and that's the point that I think you're making, is that when you don't know what the playbook is, and you're still able to come out on top and just outplay the other team, 
that's what what shows what the the true skill is in, in a player or in a team and that's that's what you and and double if i think are, are echoing um what else did i want to talk about oh uh santorin got player of the series by the way this guy had like crazy headaches all summer long just comes back like three weeks ago or two weeks or whatever and it doesn't seem like he even missed a beat honestly it's also pretty crazy to see him perform really really well i saw what seemed to to feel like signs of flyquest santorin when he was playing the trundle uh, it made i thought about this i forgot to mention it last week but where he's playing the heavy gank with the trundle how he's ganking mid very early and just ganking all together that to me was like okay this is starting to feel like the regular santorin that we've kind of been waiting for all year long yeah one of the main things that i said when flyquest like you know, sorry, when Team Liquid acquired Santorin, was it felt like, if you look at the previous iterations of Team Liquid, you had Xsmithy, who was the very passive and team-oriented player, and you had Broxa, who was supposed to be this super aggressive um, early-game jungler, and that was supposed to, like, lead them to the promised land. And it kind of never panned out with Broxa, and, you know, they felt that they could do better than Xsmithy, so that's why they made that original change in the first place. And coming into it, Santorin was doing such a great job on FlyQuest, of being an early game presence, but also having really good team instincts and, you know, being at the right place, right time. And initially when he joined Team Liquid in the spring split, I thought that he had kind of just reverted to that passive Team Liquid jungler sort of play style. And so, and not to say that I had accepted that Santorum was just going to be that next Team Liquid kind of like passive, more team-oriented jungler, but I was just hoping that we could get to a point where he might get back to more of a comfort zone and play aggressive once he kind of got acclimated to the lineup and it feels like we're there now and even though he had that really big break in the middle of the season like you mentioned it's been really nice to see him actually play aggressive and do a lot in the early game because also i think you know the, i really like the trundle pick because trundle is just a super great early game champion in terms of one fighting early and two setting up kings with the pillar like pillar is almost guaranteed flash or kill if you place it correctly because as long as you get the pillar behind them, they have to flash. And even it could be a kill after that because most likely you're flashing back into the slow field and you can maybe run them down. And if not, like pillars is a kill every time. Yeah, you need another champion to get you out of that. You need like a, a lantern or something like that. Yeah. Um, which there's not a lot of champions that have those kinds of abilities that can that can bail you out. Um, to your point about whether we would see that Santorin, I was starting to get afraid that we weren't going to see that Santorin. Because I would have thought that we would have seen it in spring. And it makes me wonder, maybe he was dealing with his, his you know, health issues earlier than we anticipated. Because to me, this is the first time that we're seeing the true Santorin all year long. So that that is, uh, like, I, I mean, I'm, I'm just guessing here. I don't know, right? I have no idea how long he had been dealing with that. But what I do know is that this is the first time to me that it seems like he's playing the way we would expect him to play or or see how he just was one of the best junglers, if not the best jungler that we had in the league last year. Um, yeah, I, the other thing that's crazy too is like how boring was TL to watch like three or four weeks ago? Yeah, I mean, boring. they were boring. Like really boring. But I, but I felt like it was because they didn't have that early game spice and it feels like they yeah. do now. Like, like yeah. it, it just and feels the, pretty night and day with like Grig versus, or sorry, Armeo versus Santorin. Yeah, and, and I, I have to own this, that, like, I was just wrong. Do you remember? I went on about how I thought TL was going to be very predictable. They were going to play through top, and teams were going to be ready to play around it. 
uh-uh, they can play wherever the hell they want, and it's wherever the hell Core JJ is going. Because that guy is actually back to himself. I do not think Core JJ had the greatest summer split. I thought he had a good summer split. Not great, but he's had a great playoff so far, and he looks like that best support in the league again, which is just hella monka S for whatever teams have to run in into Team Liquid for the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, and I just think from like the TSM side, the couple of things that I said going into the series that they were going to have to do in order to win this series, which were one, have Spica, like get Spica involved early and have some impact, which didn't happen. And two, see if Sword Art can kind of do that same thing and get creative like he has been doing uh, in the couple last couple weeks of the regular season, making some roams mid, making some well-timed invades with Spica, and just none of that happened whatsoever. Sora looked terrible. Spica was invisible this yeah. series. Okay, game three, he actually had a couple Lee Sin plays. Um, I'll give him that. But for most of the series, he was pretty invisible. Yeah, and Sword Art was running it down a bit. He got gapped. Sword Art was trying to be what Core JJ was, and you could just tell there was a difference there. Uh, the the better roaming support was Core JJ, and it wasn't close. It wasn't even close at all. This series, to me, felt like um player who wanted a do-over the most would have been Hooney for me. Because they did put a lot of effort into giving him resources, uh, especially in the Aurelia game. And you could tell they panned to him a couple of times after team fights where he's looking at the sky going like, man, like I should have had that. I, I think Hooney really feels uh, probably very disappointed with his own play because of how many resources and how often they went top to help him. And they just couldn't win the game through him. Whereas, I mean, on the other side, TL got plenty of advantages in the top lane, so... I think if there's anyone that wants a do-over, it's probably Huni, if, if you ask me. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe maybe the bot lane for TSM for me. It just felt like both of them had a really off series. I think I've been a little higher on Lost and Sorter than most people have this split because I thought they actually had a pretty solid split for the most part. Yeah, I, I, think, I think they were good. Yeah. I think they were good. And I think they had a really terrible series. And I don't yeah. think they're that bad. I, I don't think they should be getting um, shit on that hard in lane. Um... At uh yeah, it kind of sucked to see Sword Art like just run it down again. That that was the main thing. Like watching this series, but like it just felt like he had so many random deaths. I got a shout out. Okay, did, I don't know. You might have seen my tweet, so you might already know the answer to this. But do you remember what champion I would always say is the worst for Ziggs to play into? Do you remember? No. I said this all the time. LeBlanc, man, like it's cancer. You don't want that champion into LeBlanc, and then all of tweeted that out and i was like yes this is what i've been saying for i don't even know how long since i started playing league of legends it's just not good and lost got destroyed by it uh <laughs> any assassin guy. into ziggs is pretty tough yes yes it really is it really is you need i don't know maybe a devour like a tom kent or something but you need the right comp let's just say that you can debate all day about what the right comp is for the ziggs but you definitely need uh, some protection for him, or else he could look pretty useless. Although I will say the one time he also face-checked a brush into the LeBlanc by himself, which he did not have to do. Whether you're playing Ziggs or not, you shouldn't be doing that. Um, so that was kind of just bad on, on Lost. And But anyway, uh, I digress there. Um, last thing I'll say is that Jensen, uh, really, really pop off, and then sometimes really, really bean soup. Uh, you could give him both awards in the series. Overall, honestly, I thought Jensen actually had a great series. He just did have some run-it-down moments. But I think the good far outweighed the bad. Uh, there was the really, really nice Cinder stun. Again, his LeBlanc is amazing. Uh, he just had a good series overall. But uh, even though he had a couple of ints, 
Jensen is starting to look a lot better than he did in summer, and that's even another good sign for Team Liquid fans. So. Yeah, it, it feels like the meta has been slowly shifting into Jensen's favor because he always just seemed super uncomfortable on a lot of the AD kind of bruiser mid laners. Um, it, not even just like AD ones, but just more like bruiser style of mid um, because he's just really known for his control mages, and that's what he's always had the most success on in his career. And to see the picks like LeBlanc, the Syndra, the TF, even though we didn't actually see it in the series, those are like now like, you know, pretty high picks in the meta. I think, you know, we're going to see some some good Jensen the rest of the playoffs. Yeah, absolutely. I think so, too. Do you have anything else on this series or do we want to move on? Last thing, I'll defend Spika here a little bit because Go I saw it. a lot of people flame in the J4 pick in game four. Mm -hmm. As most people know, I'm a bit of a J4 connoisseur. Um <laughs> I, that's the main problem that I had with the J4 pick is like, I don't think, I think J4 is actually pretty good. I think it is definitely competitively viable, but the problem is, is the play style of like solo queue J4 is like completely different from competitive J4. And I think, you know, the way that Spika played the early game, uh, mainly with his build, I thought was really terrible so like i thought like the pick i thought is... you were gonna defend him well no but i'm saying the pick is good he just played it poorly like i i'm i guess what i meant by that is like i'm not okay. flaming tsm for making the pick but like it did feel like you know they just need to but what i mean by this he went free, <laughs> he went free ass boots on jarvan jungle which is one a mistake because you always want to buy um boots on your first base on j4 unless you can buy like completed iron spike whip he couldn't he bought a pickaxe on his first base, which is pretty fucking bad. Uh, two, he also did like the Gore Drinker build in competitive, and if you're not going to do that and not gank, like don't fucking build that. Just build tank. Tank's actually pretty underrated right now uh, with the uh, the Frostfire Sterex Titanic build. I don't know. It, it just felt super weird to see them one pick J4, two not do anything early game, and three build damage. So like so... pick was good. Pick was good, but he just played it like shit. So. JNT's intentions were to defend Spika. I guess he defended the coaching staff and flamed Spika. <laughs> I guess I yeah, that's what I meant actually. Then it's uh, too funny. Some people thought it was going to go top. I actually thought there was a good chance it was Dude, going going to go top as well. That was weird because I was like, everyone was saying how. Well, the main reason I thought it was going to be J four top as opposed to, or I would think people would think that is because Lisa and Soul Lane is just not that that's, good right now. That's what I thought. Yeah. But, I have not, like, heard anything about J4 Soul Lane. I don't even think it has a game played. So just for it to suddenly be whipped out in the top lane would be kind of surprising. Well, it gets buffed on patch point 16, but we're not yeah, on we're that not patch Yeah, we're not on that yet. patch. So felt like we, we pulled that out just a little bit too early there for TSM. But yeah. tis what it is. Um, before we move on to our next thing, I want to remind you guys to hit the subscribe button if you haven't, whether you are in live chat or whether you're watching on YouTube. Please feel free to subscribe. Uh, it is much appreciated. Uh, okay, let's go dig and immortals now. Uh, JNT, dude, okay, I'm I'm not going to lie to you guys. I don't think either one of us want to go too long into these series. The other two series were kind of boring. Let's get through these. Dig, immortals, JNT, it was a stomp. Uh, what else do you think? Yeah, um, it was just a solo lane gapping as far yeah. as the eye can see. I think, honestly, like like jungle and bot lane wasn't that far apart from each other i think acadian still like played well 
despite the circumstances. Obviously, he didn't yep. play as well as he did in the previous series because it wasn't doing Agreed. like he wasn't straight up one v nineing. But I think he was doing as much as he could. The solo laners are just like too big of an issue for Dignitas and for any of the yeah. players to overcome. I kind of mentioned last week how it's really difficult for Aphromo to do anything when uh, solo lanes are so bad and behind, and Acadian is trying to like plug all the holes on the ship. And then you just have Aphromoo going and engaging in a discoordinated team fight when you're down in gold almost every time. It's just kind of just a, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, it, it felt like we've seen this before. It felt like I was watching a show that I've already seen before. Yeah, and it, it, that's a good way to we describe knew, it. We knew what was going to happen. I think most people were predicting a, a pretty one-sided IMT victory. I don't even remember. Did we both go 3-0? I said 3-2 only because I going into the series... Or going into playoffs, basically had no faith in Immortals because of how up and down they were to end the season. They went 3 3 3 and I was yeah, like, I don't true. fucking Immortals know. Immortals is, yeah, they are freaking whack. That that is definitely true. But I mean, uh, like I said, I was not going to be surprised with any outcome, and it kind of just hinged on solo lanes. Like I thought, Revenge actually had a really good series, but you have to take into consideration it was up against Fake God. But yeah. I actually think he played really well, so uh, happy for <laughs> <Yeah>. him. <laughs> I hesitate to say this, but he had a really good Tom Kench game, which I know that sounds troll to say, but he did, though. You remember the one W yeah. where he jumped over and he saved, I think it was Wraith? I don't remember. He yeah, I think well. it was Wraith. Yeah, he had a really good Tom Kench game. It was actually kind of pop-off. He landed a lot of knock-ups with his W, so got to give him props. The, the last thing I'll say is that Wraith played Ziggs again. I don't like seeing him play Ziggs. I think he's an awful Ziggs. And I know that sounds harsh, but yeah. I think it's true. He's got to stop playing Ziggs. It's really, really bad. <laughs> that is my piece on the Dig Immortals game. The Golden Guardian C9 one, uh, also not really that exciting of a series. I will say that I don't think this series was as one-sided as it seems. Like, I th think this series was definitely closer than, than the IMT Dig series. But it felt like there wasn't really much happening until the game was over. Like... I, I was looking at the gold leads as because I was re-watching the games, and I'm keeping my eye on the gold lead. C9 would never go over, like, a 2k gold lead until, like, 20 minutes, and then they would find a team fight, and that, that team fight would just decide the game, and it was over. So it was, like, really slow. There wasn't a lot happening. And that's not exactly what I expected in this series, because Golden Guardians, to their credit, have actually been very aggressive. And I think they tried to make things happen. I think they just couldn't. Yeah. Um, for the most part. Yeah, it, they, the series did end up being quite slow, but I do think C9 was playing with a bit of caution because in the majority of games, they were actually playing the the later the late game scaling comp. But I, but I say that in comparison to the opponent's comp. Like, I don't think their comp was super late game by any standards, but Golden Guardians were often, often picking stronger early game comps because, you know, coming into it, I think everybody thought that the main way that they were going to win this series was through chaos in the early game and getting a bunch of kills. And but to you me... definitely... Sorry, uh, I'm cutting you off. No, no. Well, what were you going to say? I was just going to say, you could see that C9 was playing slower. So I, I think you're exactly right. It did seem like to me like they were trying to scale, especially when you have like perks on Rise, for example. Like, you're not going to have any problem with a 40-minute Rise perks. Yeah, like it just felt like that Golden Guardians was giving them no resistance and Cloud9 was just doing whatever they wanted, but weren't necessarily pushing the pace of the game. In my opinion, in fear that, you know, they make a mistake and then Golden Guardians has that, you know, better early game comp sort of 10, 15 minutes in and then lose off of that. So it kind of just felt like, I don't know. I think Cloudum was probably a little bit nervous going to the series because like, how can you not be?
Yeah, I honestly, I still don't think that they played that great, and I think that they're gonna need to play better still if they if they want to beat EG and and move on. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. Uh, I, I wanted to say also that I thought C9's drafting wasn't too bad. They they clearly were able to push. I think it was game one. They were able to push. Um, Iconic all the way down to Lilia, which that seems like oh my field. And that was God. that was pretty useless as well. Dude, they 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 won. They picked Lilia first of all. What's going on there? And then two, they go on the broadcast and are like defending the pick, saying like it's a comfort pick for Iconic. And an arrow's like, oh yeah, like we've been having success with this champion. And Iconic feels really comfortable. It's like, dude, this fucking champ Hold sucks, on, man. man. This champ is Hold so on. bad. It's even worse now in competitive. The interview at the start of the games though. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because, I mean, you got to give, like, the thing with those interviews is those suck, and you who knows what the hell to say during those. Dude, it's just, like, I know you got to, you can't just, like, flame on, like, but still, like, the, the dude, Lilia's even worse than she was before, in my opinion, in competitive. We haven't seen her, so it's just kind of my opinion. But because they nerfed her early game. Like, one of the reasons why this champ was so good is because the early game was so good with the Q movement speed and the bowling ball slow. They gutted the movement speed early game. Uh, they... Uh, they they kind of pulled back on the snowball or the bowling ball, sorry, uh, the slow and the utility of it, and the pick is just worse now. Like it scales better and whatnot, but it's just not a competitively good pick right now. Don't fucking play that champ. Yeah, they picked it into like Rise and Thresh and Tom like champions that you're gonna have a hard time kiting. Trundle. Yeah. Like yeah. You want to kite with Lilia because she's got a lot of movement speed. I don't think you're going to be able to kite those champions. Rise well, and all of them have like, yeah, they, it's all they have. They all have hard lockdown. Slows like for days with yeah. the play and box, and then Tom Kench yeah. is slow. Trundle's got pillar. Like she ain't kiting nobody. And that I don't. I don't remember exactly when they picked her. I think it was. Yeah, it had to have been late in the draft. I think it was. They banned it, out a billion jungles. Yeah, it was the first. It was the first pick of the second phase of draft. So red four pick. Okay. Yeah. Um, um. To go to backtrack really quickly. Um. Just to kind of talk about how you know, like, how C9 played in this series, kind of slow and reserved. I also do think. Um. You know, they kind of assumed that they were going to get the win this series, and they probably were holding back any like spicy gameplay slash picks. Um. Because unless you drop the first game, I don't think there's anything to worry about really with this series, and you don't really want to reveal anything going into three series that they have to win in order to make worlds or two sorry they have to win their next yeah. they have to win two more to clinch that last world spot and against a team like golden guardians there's there's really no reason to reveal anything so part of it is i think that, that they fair. just part of it is i think they didn't want to make any mistakes uh because they were going the more quote-unquote late game comp and two you don't need to reveal anything because it's golden yeah. guardians and you're gonna win totally totally fair uh Okay, so one thing, so I think we're done with this now, right? We can get past these boring series. Yeah. Um, one thing that I wanted to ask you, because I saw a tweet from Frost Gurren saying that she thought that the LCS was the best that it's ever been, or is the best that it's ever been. I'm misquoting. I should have pulled up the tweet. But I'm, I'm, she said something along those lines. I'll, I'll try and find the tweet. Do you think the LCS is the best that it's ever been? I think you can split that up into two categories. Best yes and no, <laughs> no. Best in terms of entertainment, and best in ah. terms of gameplay and performance. I would say yes, it's the best it's ever been in terms of entertainment because everything is so close. It. it I have the wording here. If it helps you. No, I'm just gonna. 
Okay, I'm going to read the tweet anyways, just so people know what I'm talking okay, about. Okay, then. Why'd you even ask me? Well, anyways, her tweet was, LCS top teams are the best they've ever been. No. That's what she said. Okay. Um, Back to my point. Um, I think, for the most part, the majority of the split was super entertaining because there was no clear-cut top team. It felt like there were these teams, like TSM, who was beating the Team Liquids and the Cloud9s and the 100 Thieves, but was losing to EG. And then there was the EGs, who was beating the Cloud9s and beating the TSMs, but losing to 100 Thieves and losing to Team Liquid. And there was Team Liquid, who was losing to everybody. And there was 100 Thieves, who was like kind of like the best team for most of the split, dropped off right at the end. So I did feel like there was a lot of you know good storylines in this split, which made it very entertaining and created some very competitive games. But to say that right now the LCS is the best that it's ever been, I think that sentiment can only be said for Team Liquid's last two series specifically. I think in terms of like peak NA performances that we've seen, there have been way more in the past that outweigh the majority of what we've seen so far. And should Team Liquid continue to play like they're playing and like win their next series and then win finals, then maybe you could say that for Team Liquid only. Yeah, so I pretty much agree with everything you said there. I don't think the teams are the best they've ever been. But to your point, it's really, really fun to watch that we don't... Now that we don't know who's going to win playoffs, that's the best thing about this year is that there's five competitive teams. So no doubt there that, like, okay, we have a competitive league. This is good. But I, I started doing some digging into some of the old rosters that we've had in the LCS, and immediately what came to mind was 2016. Now, a lot of people are going to laugh and be like, well... TSM didn't even make it out of groups that year, but I still think you can't look at just results. So every year. I, I think, what's that, sorry? You said that year, it's every year. Sure, but specifically that year, I think TSM was at their peak, and that year they still didn't make it out of group. Uh, and to yeah. me, I still thought that that roster was really, really good. And even, uh, so I'll, I'll read out the rosters here of who went to Worlds that year. So TSM, they sent Hauntzers, Fenskeren, Bjerks, and Doublelift Biofrost. A lot of those players at their peak, by the way, um, and then CLG, they had Darshan. I know people are going to kick W, but he was actually good back then. Dick Smithy was really good. Who he sticks a Afro sticks a Afro were probably the second best bot lane at that time. I, I know another kick W sure. And then cloud nine, they sent impact medios, Jensen, sneaky smoothie. Again, another really solid roster. And yes, they maybe didn't have the best showing the, all the three of those rosters, but I think no doubt those three best teams were a lot more solid than the three best teams that we would have now, despite the fact that our league is a lot more competitive. And, and probably 2017 as well, they sent like that Immortal squad. Uh, that was the year that Cody Sun had the unfortunate Tristana jump at Worlds, for people that don't remember. But uh, regardless, I just don't think that this is the year that this is our best, our top teams are at their best. Yeah, I, I, think, I think so. I think barring, I, I mean, I don't even think that like, team like we can continue to play as insane as they are and another team also just like kind of come online out of nowhere could you definitively say that in terms like performance wise the lcs is the best that it's ever been this year i just don't think that's true i think you can point to a lot of other years like i mean this is going to be kind of like again this is all relative to the time but like 2014 with c9 and tsm when they like played in summer finals, was a three-two for TSM's favor. Like both of those teams were really, really good going into Worlds. Um, C9 obviously was the only one to make it out, but you know, you, you look you look at the facts. A lot of the t a lot of times the TSM is not made out of the groups. 
Like, you got to be a bit sympathetic. Like, they've had really hard groups. 2014, they had, yeah. like, Starhorn Royal Club and Samsung White, which were, like, the two finalists at Worlds. Uh, 2016, they had RNG Samsung. 2017 was a bit of a meme because they should have made it out of that group, but they didn't. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think there's you cannot you cannot definitively say that it's the best it's ever been. It's just, no. Yeah. It's not close to definitive. You could maybe Penn. argue, should a miracle happen? And the reason why I, I bring it up is not because I want to shit on this year's LCS, but because this happens every year where we all get really excited for North American teams to go to Worlds and then we get really disappointed. I am not saying that North America does not have a chance of going anywhere this year. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is we've had better chances in the past. So I want to manage expectations here. Although right now I think TL is looking good and maybe they have a chance. We still don't even know what group they're drawn in. So... Let's not get ahead of ourselves, guys. That's that's why I bring it up. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's do a little farewell to our eliminated teams. Uh, do you want to start with Dig or Golden Guardian? Um, let's start with Dig, I guess. So let's look back on the year altogether. Uh, they had a really good spring, a really surprising spring, I would say, and then a really, really disappointed summer. My question to you, JNT, is if you were to give them a 1 or a 10, as far as 1 to 10 range of 10 being you're really happy with how the year went for them, 1 being you're really, really disappointed, give me a score for how the year went for, for Dignitas. Well, based on the phrasing of your question, I'm going to say 1 because okay. of this whole situation that just happened with Dardock hey, and Saligo. Hey, you're Saligo. free to do that, yeah. Like, it's a what could have been. Because they did look good in Spring Split. It was kind of obvious that they were going to get outclassed by the better teams come best of fives. But, like, that Spring Split was, like, building blocks to Summer Split. And then they just ripped their fucking hearts out in Week 2. When Dardock got benched, and or uh, Sligo got benched, and then Dardock got benched and then kicked. And e even, even, like, let's not even talk about the Dardock situation, like... Dude, Yasui versus Saligo, like, come the fuck on, man. Yeah. To not to not play Saligo at all is just, like, so fucked up, in my opinion. It's absolutely fucked. I think this dig management slash coaching step needs to get the fuck up out of here now. If the dig owners know what they're doing, that's what they should do. Um, because this is now, like, two years in, or sorry, yeah, two years in a row. Yeah, two years in a row. Where you've basically hindered your team's chances at playoffs and during playoffs because of bad decisions made by the coaching staff. Like a roster substitution. You're Last yeah. year, you're talking about Lorlo, right? Lorlo versus Viper, and then this yep. year, Saligo versus Yasui. Like, I don't give a fuck if Yasui was smurfing in scrims or something like that. To continually have terrible performances on the LCS stage should be a change. Like, we'll draw the comparison, because it's a fair comparison. Golden Glue was like the scrim god and could never, you know perform on the LCS stage and very often across multiple seams we would see Golden Glue benched in favor of switching things up in order to you know make a difference like we saw that whole piglet bid situation in like season seven and I remember at one point I think he got benched on like team eight or whatever and you know you know there was this kind of his redemption arc on like the with cloud nine and then you know subsequently going over to EG but like dude like he was the same deal like if you can't perform you shouldn't play. Yeah. 
So uh, I am close to you. I guess I'm not as pessimistic as far as my scoring goes, but I, I give them a four. If if Spring Split had ended and that's the way things went, I probably would have said a nine or a ten. But it just all came crumbling down so hard. And I think you would have had this year that was, hey, look at what we've done with Neo. You remember how pop like Neo was absolutely popping off in Spring. We definitely saw a drop off there. We saw a drop off with Aphromu. And again, we've talked before on this podcast about how a big part of that is, well, you're switching out a bunch of players that probably shouldn't be switched out. And then you lost Dardock. And, and whether you agree or not with, with Dardock being switched out is one thing. But the point is, it really stunted your team's growth because they were playing really well with Dardock. Maybe it was the right move. But ultimately, you saw that it just came crumbling down after. And again, to, to your point, the Saligo thing. Um, so fucked. Someone in live chat here, shout out Cygnus, who says, down 0-2 and you don't put him in as a slap in the face, referring to Saligo. I agree. I think that... I, I can't believe Saligo didn't get any games with how hard Yusui was running it down. Shake something up. Like, it was not even close. Um, and that's what I think... I think that's probably where the most disappointment comes. Because I think you had such a good storyline of like this North American team uh, uh, that was actually looking really good, taking games off top teams, and then it just all went to shit. And I think another thing is that you probably uh, significantly stunted the growth of Saligo. I, I think Saligo was just getting better as the year went on, and we didn't get to see that happen. Yeah, so and, and like another another one of the problems with kind of like some of the things that have become obvious in like the LCS um like scouting process and free agent process is a lot of what players are being signed for is stuff that like you take for face value and when other teams are looking at a prospective new mid laner to just see that a good performing player was benched in favor of a different player like that doesn't look good to other teams that would then want to sign that player so like in my opinion like dignitas they hurt saligo's chances of being successful in the LCS because they didn't play him when he was playing well. And I mean, I hope that Dignitas would be somewhat community communicative with prospective teams that, Oh, you know, he was doing very well in Academy and we were, you know, he took it like a champ or whatever, but like other teams might not see it that way. They might see it as an issue that he was not playing. Yeah. And just to be clear about why I gave him the four points in the first place is because the good is like, I, I don't want to forget about the expectations from this team out of the gate. This was not, not a lot of people thought they were going to see good things from this from this squad, and their spring was well. It was great for for what was expected of them. I believe uh, I'm, it's hard to remember now. I think I might have had them eighth or ninth in my power rankings before the I think season. Think I had started. them ninth. I, I, they were they were low, anyways. I don't remember, and obviously they weren't that bad of a team once you saw them toward uh, well throughout all of spring. Uh, so that's why I had to give them a few points, but I, I again I probably would have given them a nine or a ten if, if things if things ended in spring and that's how the season looked. I don't think you could be any more happy. But the way you managed to screw things up, and again, part of that could be Dardock's fault. We don't know, but the way things managed to get so screwed up is just uh, kind of sad. And so I had to drop them all the way down to a four. Now, Golden Guardians, do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? You keep the ball rolling. You you got this. For Golden Guardians, it's another one of those things where it's like their season was quite the roller coaster because even though they had really low expectations, I think they still disappointed by only picking up three wins. Um, however, then they decided to say, okay, look, it's not working, and they made playoffs. Yes, playoffs is top eight, 
but I don't think that that team was that bad of a team. I think that they were okay. They were probably about a six or seven ranked team in the league by the, by the end of the season. And that's something that I actually think is quite good. You've seen a lot of great things out of Olive this year. I think Olive is better than we expected. I think Iconic got better as the season went on. I think it's unfortunate that you had to drop Niles and bring in Licorice and Solo, I guess. Um, that part sucks. But overall, I think you could be happy with Golden Guardians considering where they should have been at the start of the year. And so I'll give them a six uh, because even Stixe as well, I should mention him, had a pretty good season. And Chime, despite the fact that he wasn't great, looked better as the season went on. So I guess with this roster, you saw a lot of improvement. And while, yeah, they're out in like the the first round of like the lower tier bracket or whatever, uh, I guess things weren't all so bad for where they should have been, which was dead last 10th. Yeah, I think I probably give him a seven, um, mainly because I mean, yeah, it's obviously the score is not tied to their performance at all in terms of playoffs, yeah. because I think I probably would have had them as the six, like the number six team going into playoffs in terms of performance. I think I would probably favor them over Dig, and I would, or I guess, well, I would definitely favor them over Dig, but I think yeah. I would slightly favor them over Immortals. I think that is kind of a coin toss. It'd be close, yeah. Yeah, it's it's near it's near around coin toss. Um, but like you said, kind of the opposite of dig, with such a terrible spring split and so many question marks and so much flame and backlash from the community about the roster that they fielded and how everything went down with them basically like selling off the whole roster that performed very well in summer twenty twenty playoffs. It was just pretty depressing to watch Spring Split unfold, and then we kind of thought that we were going to see more of the same in summer, but you could see, like, they were picking up one win every week, things were starting to improve week over week, and then they make that move for Licorice and actually look like a pretty decent team. I think, at the very minimum, you have building blocks in Licorice and a Blaze Olive, and then, I, I mean, if I was them, I'd keep Stixay, and I think depending on how much your budget can improve... I think you could get upgrades in jungle or support and actually be like a decent team next year. Yeah. Well, and I want to draw the parallels to evil geniuses because they put in Danny and they surrounded him with a bunch of veteran players. And I think that's something that you kind of have with licorice six, a and, and uh, Olive at this point is that you have two spots where you could probably put some younger players. You could probably keep iconic to continue to grow. And you could probably look for another support if you needed to. You could even keep Chime in that spot as well, which would be totally fine. And, like, you actually put these young, young new players with guys that have been playing for a long time so they can learn how the game is properly played. Whereas, like, I don't like the way that they approach it at the start of the season. I've said this many times. Throwing too many rookies together on one team, I don't think you're going to see a lot of growth there. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the problems that they had in spring, but not in summer. So, to me, that's just another area that... Uh, I think that Golden Guardians can say they found a happy medium where they were able to find some veteran players. They probably got them pretty cheap, in all honesty. I don't think there was a lot of teams that wanted Stixay. Clearly, Licorice was probably... He was probably uh, getting overpaid on FlyQuest, I imagine, for what his performance was. And so I yeah. bet you Golden Guardians probably got a deal on him as well. And so you found a way to get all these veteran players for probably a pretty good price, and now you could build with that. And I think that that is a really good sign for the future. So I think overall Golden Guardians should be happy with their season uh, because, like I said, they were supposed to be 10th, and I think that it was a pretty unanimous thought by the, the by the community. Yeah, because going into 2021, the idea behind the whole Golden Guardian situation was that they were, gonna, they were hoping that they could utilize that same process and find some diamonds in the rough. 
But kind of like the opposite happened where they went into this uh, season hoping that the rookies would be good. And then all the veterans that they had just ended up being so much better. Yeah, definitely. I, I don't think anyone looked at this season going, yep, Sticks A is going to be solid. And yep, Olive is going to be solid. And definitely no one looked at this season going, Licorice is going to be on Golden Guardians. I don't think anybody looked at it that way. So uh, yeah, I, I just think you're right. And I think they could definitely be happy about how the year went. Now. Uh, with that, I think that we've done a nice little farewell to those teams. We will see them next year. Bye-bye. Uh, let's go into some previews. Let's do some quick previews for the playoff round three coming up. Pretty spicy series with EG and C9. I don't think it's fully decided what people or who people think are going to win this series, but I do think it's actually weighted more towards the EG side than the C9 side. What do you think? I don't really know what to think. It... it... It just feels like EG is C9's worst matchup of any team in the league. And I think that's because they're the only team that consistently gives it to Cloud9 like Cloud9 gives it to other teams with early game aggression and just fighting. And I think one of the things that I thought going into the previous scene on EG matchup, which happened right at the end of the regular season, was that Cloud9 had actually kind of figured out to be a little bit more patient uh, but in the end of it, like that's what kind of hurt them in that last regular season game where they were kind of too patient, losing, you know, the map was kind of collapsing around them. And then they got to a point into the game where they just had to go for these, you know, team fights. And, you know, Jizuki was doing a really great job on the sideline. And it just feels like this team has their number. That, that's the main thing that I get with it. And I think, while I think you can have a little bit more confidence in the Cloud9 side because EG didn't look very good in the series against 100 thieves i think unless that eg shows up again or a similar version of it to where they're just not playing as well as they normally do i would have to agree that it's probably eg favored but at the same time I... what i will i quickly say right again is it did feel like a lot of the eg versus cloud nine games were peak eg and peak eg while it's very very good you know they're not always there, so there's a chance. So I think if if you are predicting C9, not specifically you, JNT, but if anyone is predicting C9 in this series, I don't think it's from having confidence from what we've seen so far and from them this summer or in playoffs. I think it's either one, you think that all of a sudden Cloud9 is going to find it and you know start to turn on whatever you want to call it, uh, or you're just really not impressed with the way EG looked this past weekend and you're afraid that they're going to choke. I don't think there's anyone being like, yeah, C9 looked really, really good against Golden Guardians. They're back in because they definitely didn't look good against TL as well. So to, to me, I definitely think that it is EG favored. The, the one thing that I should have added to where I say more people are leaning EG, I would say that uh, in the there was a couple polls. I think uh, Zix made one and Travis Gafford made one, and there was more people voting for C9. But I think that was more to do with fandom than it was people yeah. actually thinking EG because EG was not far behind in those polls, and so that's why I say that EG is probably the favorite coming into this series, and I think they should be. I think Jazuke has just been better than Perks. Um, I'll say it. Uh, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Yes, playoff Perks can show up, but we haven't really seen it yet. And so, at least not a, on a consistent basis. So, I'm not counting on it until I see it. And I just think EG is... Look, they didn't look that great against 100 Thieves this past weekend. But I, there's no way they can look that bad again twice after looking so good and consistent almost all of summer. 
Like, there's no way. And I, of course, I say that, and maybe it will happen. Uh, but regardless, I, I definitely think that they have the advantage. I am going to go EG 3 1 in this series. Uh, I, I do think that again, so a lot of people have pointed to the Danny uh, and Ignar being not so great in laning phase, but what we're seeing this year, but specifically more in playoffs, is that bot lane isn't really a thing in the laning phase. The supports are just gonzo, and there's more things happening other places on the map. And so I guess you would need Zven to really outplay Danny in a 1v1 in the bot lane, but most of it's just poke. It's like Ziggs and Varus just poking wave clearing. So I don't really see much happening in the bot lane for C9 to get an edge. Yeah, I the, the thing is that's funny is I feel like if you look individually at every single matchup, in my opinion, I think the only one EG truly has favored is mid lane. But on the reverse, I just feel like EG has been playing um, better as a team overall. And like I said before, I think EG just has C9's number. Um, I, I think should we see peak EG... I think that EG wins the series, but I don't think we'll see peak EG, and I think this is pretty much just like a pick'em game. I think I would go 3-2 no matter what outcome. I think if EG's going to win, it's going to be a 3-2. If C9 is going to win, it's going to be 3-2, and the only okay. reason I'm picking C9 is because I'm a C9 fan. I think if I was okay. an unbiased person... At least you own it. At least you own it. Yeah, I, I think as an unbiased person, I say this is like basically a coin toss, but I'm choosing C9 because I'm obviously a C9 fan. And this... The one thing that is worth pointing out is that a lot of times when playoff perks does exist, it's when his back is up against the wall. And I don't think there's any more up against the wall than this series. Yeah, honestly. it's kind of like, like, it's, this is it. it's you like your nemesis you of the season and it's yeah. your like last chance. And while I do think that C9 has a great team and a great staff and potential, I just can't, I can't predict them to win with how much they've just disappointed all pretty much all summer long. So that that's why I gotta go EG three one, but uh, definitely should be a good series. Definitely should be exciting. Yeah, I I think mid lane is definitely gonna be super spicy because I just think both of Perks's and Jazuke's champion pool is just like blood is just bound to be shed. Also, you know, with Perks just dying to a lot of ganks, and, and Jazuke playing some really great gank setup champions when he's on like the LeBlanc or he's on the rise and just has that hard CC to lock somebody down. I think it just will always just create action. And I think at the same time, if Perks is finally able to like rein it in a little bit, because he does seem to be playing a little cocky, um, you know, playoff Perks is the thing. But to me, like, my confidence in... Well, I wouldn't even say confidence. My reasoning for C9 is not Perks. Like, I don't think Perks is going to be the reason they win. I think with the jungle situation right now, with it kind of being up in the air between Contractsman and Scarin, and with both of them not looking so great... And I do think Blabber has been slowly getting back to his former self. Not there yet, and I still think he's got a ways to go. But I think mm -hmm. he's slowly been climbing out of that hole that was MSI and is looking really good. Uh, same with the top lane. I think Fudge um, is better than Impact. I think Impact had a pretty terrible series. I think, in my opinion, and I kind of said this last week, he was getting a little bit overhyped in terms of, one, like MVP consideration, and two, being ahead of Huni in all pro voting. Um, and so I'm looking at Fudge and I'm looking at Blabber because I think mid lane is in Jazuke's advantage and I think bot lane is even. Your copium takes are always welcome here, JNT. Yep. And just because the copium takes does not mean that they're wrong. 
just means they're biased. Yep. That's all. Uh, do you want to move on to SMIMT? Sure. So this one, I think, is interesting because of what the rumors are. Now, for those that didn't watch Hotline League, apparently the rumors were that IMT was beating TSM pretty handily in scrims. I don't know when this was. And I, I mean, it's rumors. We don't even know if it's actually true. Rumors are rumors, right? Like, who, who the hell knows? I guess it would have had to have been last week before, because you wouldn't scrim a team that you're about to play. That's just, is, I, I would have to assume that that's really rare that that's going to happen. Yeah. My guess is that TSM is probably scrimming C9, in all honesty, because they're both in the bottom bracket, and they probably, well, I mean, you want to face a good team. Maybe they'll, they'll scrim TL or 100 Thieves as well. Uh, regardless, uh, I don't think this series is as free as people think it is, and I'm glad that we heard those rumors, because I actually think there's a chance Immortals takes this series. I don't think they're the favorite. I'm not predicting them. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, what I am saying is I think a lot of people are going to say 3-0 TSM, and I don't think that's the case. And maybe maybe JNT might throw out a, a TSM 3-0. I am going to go TSM 3-1. I, I think that Immortals is definitely good enough to take a game. And I do want to remind people that there were some games throughout the regular season that Immortals definitely could have taken off of TSM. I'll remind people about the base race. Well, one that game. Is a, well, maybe there were others. I don't remember. But yeah, definitely one game. And that base race could have gone either way. I think we all know that. Um, and so why not have one game go the way of Immortals in this one? Fair enough. I got to respect it. However, I will be saying 3 TSM. There it is. Um, I, I, it's, just a, it's just a laning gap, in my opinion. I think Huni vs. Revenged is very Huni-sided. I think Power of Evil versus uh, Insanity is very Power of Evil-sided. And I think that bot lane is very TSM-sided, unless Sora runs it down. So... <laughs> well, unless, it's very one-sided, unless they're bad. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and we've seen it. It's kind of, like, it's definitely a possibility with Sora. So yeah, what I will yeah. say is if Immortals does win one game, It'll, I think it'll just be because of like a bot lane infest and maybe Raze will be playing some sort of Draven lane or maybe TSM goes for like a, a Ziggs lane gone wrong or something like that. Immortals know. bot lane is so hit and miss. Exactly. Eh? Like like actually, so, sometimes, is, sometimes they just run over the game and sometimes they just absolutely get ran over. There is absolutely some variance there. I think I know the answer to this from you, but do you worry at all about Spica being kind of AFK in the last series and Xerse being Immortal's best player? I think in the most likely scenarios, which I kind of described with all of TSM's lanes just going to be ahead of their opponents because they're just straight up better, it's just going to give Spica the freedom to do whatever he wants because he doesn't have that threat of like people constantly pressuring his lanes and then therefore pressuring Spica with invades or counter ganks and what have you. So I wouldn't be worried if I was Spica unless TSM just drafts three losing lanes every game. Cygnus in the live chat says, I think Immortals is playing with house money. It's a scary series for TSM. I think I know what you're saying. Are you trying to say that like the pressure is on for TSM here? That, 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 that's at? what I kind of get with that. And, and it's true. Yeah, like, and, and the, if, yeah, I think he's right. The pressure is way okay. more on TSM than it is Immortals. Just because TSM, one, is the number one seed going into playoffs. Two, they're TSM. And three, they're in the lower bracket. Um, It's, you know, you no more mistakes now. And... uh Immortals, they got, got they, they, they got nothing to lose. Yeah, yeah, definitely interesting. 
I would love to see. I mean, I would love to see Immorals at least show up. I will be happy if they take one game. I, I really will because I don't want to see a three zero like like Immortals versus Dig, for example. I don't think it will be. I don't think it will be that one sided. But I'll I'll definitely be happy if we see some insanity of last year where he's going absolutely well insane. I guess. Yeah. Don't and, get me wrong. Going, I deep. let's see insanity with the juice, baby. I, I want the series to be exciting. I just don't think that's what's going to happen. I would love I to see another one of those base race, base race types game, base race yeah. type games, but yeah, I think it's going to be a bit of a stomping. I think we all pray that you're wrong there. Yeah, I do too. Uh, I do too. Okay. I'm... Yep. Anything else on it, or do you want to go to the next? Uh, one? Hashtag juice. Oh, actually, one one other thing. That I changed I the graphic. God damn it! I'm sorry, it's, it's my fault. But we need, do need to go back because this is some other stuff that Jizuke was saying. Uh, in the live chat, he said, Zerse is going to 1v9, mark my words. You can come back to this when you see this best of five. Uh, so, Jizuke thinking IMT uh, is going to take the win. I will say he also followed up with XDDDDDDDDDD. So, take take that for what it's worth. Okay. Nice. Uh, 100 Thieves TL. I would have definitely given the favorite to 100 Thieves a few weeks ago, and I think it's the other way now. Uh for obvious reasons, TL looks amazing. We've gone on about it all episode, right? I don't know. I think even regardless of TL's insane, like going into playoffs, like let's not count the C9 series. Okay. Let's not count C9 TL, and let's not count TL TSM, and let's not count 100 Thieves EG. I think uh -huh. despite TL's poor performance against the top teams, I think the way that 100 Thieves were trending, I probably still would have picked TL. Um, hmm. And I think it's even... Like that, that TL favorite has increased even more because of their great performances in playoffs and because of 100 Thieves' kind of lackluster performance against the struggling EG in that series. Um, I think that Alfari versus Someday is just going to be a nightmare situation for 100 yeah, Thieves in true. the top side. It's just like. Oi, 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 oi. What's. Yeah. What's what? We're about to... I, I lost my train of thought, but I was thinking about something else. Uh, I was just thinking about how it's actually so insane that um, if 100 Thieves played the way that they did this past weekend against TL, I think they would have got absolutely destroyed. I would and, agree. And so I guess what I'm saying here is if 100 Thieves is to win this series, they're going to have to play better than what we just saw this weekend. Now, I do think that they're capable of it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I think that there is... That within them, I don't know how likely it is for them to uh, to come out and perform that way, but I, I definitely know that it does exist in them because we saw them play really, really well for a lot of summer. It's just been a while since we've seen them play really, really clean. Uh, what's so crazy to me is that TL, I, I think, can play anywhere now and play through any role, which is totally not what I was saying two or three weeks ago, and I think that's what's really scary. So I'm, I'm deciding whether I want to go 3-0 or 3-1 but I'm definitely favoring Team Liquid. Yeah, um, the main thing that I think will be the problem for 100 Thieves is they normally are a team to, when they get behind, they get, they, they go down pretty fast. And I think with Team Liquid looking so good in the early game with making these proactive plays around the map, whether it's top or whether it's bot, I think unless 100 Thieves can like stifle those plays and then use that as like time for, as I kind of mentioned before, like FBI to just like do his thing in a side lane. Like 
if a failed play happens top and FBI just manages to like crash two waves, get get a bunch of plates, and then all of a sudden be up a thousand gold. I think that's like kind of like a bit of a comfort zone for 100 Thieves in the series, but I just have more faith in Team Liquid's ability to execute these kinds of plays like they did against C9 and like they get against TSM to do that to 100 Thieves. So I think arguably have a weaker topside laner in someday than Fudge or Hooney. I think I'm gonna go 3-0. Wow. I don't think it's I don't think it's fun. Why is that wow? Wow, 3 0. Yeah, I think I'm gonna go 3 0. Uh I think it's boring to just go 3 1 predictions all the time, but I actually when I'm looking at it, I think Team Liquid has really impressed me to the point that I do think they're just a tier above 100 thieves. Uh so yeah, I- I'm gonna go with the 3 0 for Team Liquid. And uh I think the other thing too is that I'd probably still give FBI the best player on his team. And again, I don't think bot lane is able to have that much of an influence right now. I know that's crazy to say after what Danny did, but still, in the, let's say in the early game, when the bot lane can't really have that much of an influence because it's just two poke champions wave clearing. So I think that's something that might hurt uh, 100 Thieves and might even help Team Liquid because even though I don't think Tactical is bad, I do think he's the weakest player on that team. So that's an advantage for Team Liquid and a disadvantage for 100 Thieves. Alrighty. Well, according to your standards, then, I'm going to be boring and pick 3-1. I mean, I just picked 3-1 and a bunch of other ones. I wasn't saying uh, I wasn't saying picking 3-1 is boring. I'm saying I went with 3-1s all day long. I, I can't. I gotta, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I do think 100 Thieves will probably get one game in there, kind of similar to that game three of the TSM versus TL series, where, like, TL was playing all of these fights so well up until that point, and you did see uh, that one fight in the bot side of the map in game three, where like TL just made like a couple individual mistakes in a team fight, and TSM just kind of flipped the game on its head and like got four kills and won the game basically off that. I think that some form of that will probably happen in this game where Team Liquid or Hundred Thieves is able to stifle that one Team Liquid play, which can flip the game on its head. Um, because I don't think, you know, not to say that Team Liquid can't do it again. I just don't have 100% confidence that they will still bring that same energy from these two series into the next one, although I do think it's very likely. Hmm. Okay, so you got them going with a 3-1. Yes, sir. Okay, and then after that, it's the the last game. So there's four games this week, right? Yeah, so the the game on Sunday is going to be the winners of the two lower bracket matches. That being right. winner EGC9 and winner of TSM Immortals. So we both had TSM coming out on top, but then I had C9 and you had EG. So I just figured we'd give our quick hypothetical prediction. If it was EG versus TSM, you would pick and a scoreline of? Let's just put it this way. We'll just pick with the last team we think is going to Worlds, right? It's, it's pretty much that simple. And I think it's EG. I think that they're the team I also want to see go. And it's not because I hate TSM, so all the team. People that get on me when I criticize TSM, uh, yeah, go away. Um, the reason why I want to see EG go is because I think their play style is a lot more fun to watch and it has a better chance of succeeding at Worlds. Yes, I am reiterating things that Peter Dunn has said, but I've said this so many times, I think he's right. So that is why I want to see EG win uh, over C9, over TSM. I think that they are the best chance uh, out of the teams remaining of having success at Worlds. That's what I'm looking for. So I would go with EG over TSM uh, in the last series. And I'd probably, what would I go? Uh, I guess I think it could be a close series. I think I'd probably go 3-2, EG. Um, well, 
in my scenario of things i would have c9 tsm i would probably go with c9 3-1 over tsm um although tsm does have a really good record against c9 and summer split i think they were 3-0 against them this split if not they were two and one i, I maybe or sorry yeah tsm were two and one i think that's actually what it was um but my reservations of tsm that i've always had throughout the majority of the split have kind of been coming true lately in terms of Spica being a little bit reserved, Sword Art running it down, and I think the Immortal series will probably be pretty telling to what version of TSM we are going to see for the rest of playoffs. So it would make for a really spicy series, I think, if C9 were to handily beat EG and then TSM were to handily beat Immortals because that would just kind of make for like a really hype match, uh, in my opinion. To quickly comment on your point about EG, you know, being the best representative at Worlds and that their playstyle is best, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that because okay. it does seem that their games do have a lot of variance in them. Um, you can kind of, you can, it's a good thing for the weaker teams. <laughs> well, uh, but I would also say at the same time, we kind of know what EG's peak is right now. Like, obviously, they can still get better, and it's in all likelihood they could get better should they go to Worlds and have a boot camp and whatnot. But I think C9 is so far from their potential that I think I would rather, I think the best chance for the best performance would be to have a team like C9 or TSM that maybe isn't at their full potential yet and have that opportunity to grow and improve. Because I, I like, actually, I can get behind the C9 thing. Because, like, for me, be, I don't, for me, the way that I see it is like, We've seen a peak of EG, which let's just put an arbitrary number, is at 90%. Let's say they go to Worlds, and if they're peak EG, that would be 100%. I feel like C9 is probably only at like 50% right now, and TSM is at like 70%. So I still feel like yeah. both of those teams have a lot of room for improvement, and I think it could be very telling to how these two playoff matches go, and then how that you know makes for the rest of the playoffs. I think that that's accurate, actually. I actually think you're right. And but I but I but I would also agree. Uh, but I would agree with you in that variance can create for some spicy yeah. games at Worlds and some wins even. The reason why I actually say I think you're right, and I want to point back to it, is MSI. We saw C9 absolutely shit the bed, but they did beat Dam One. Did they beat Dam One and RNG? They beat Dam One. One of them. No, they beat they beat every team they played at at Worlds except for PSG Town. Right. They so, took. They I mean, beat Dam One two times. Uh, beat RNG one time. Should have beat them two times. Um, yeah. My only issue with it is that C9 is so far from that. They that's are. That's my issue, that's, right? And I think, you know, the way that I see it, I'm going to get a little long-winded. Not even long-winded, just my full summer prediction. If C9 beats EG, I think C9 is going to win the whole thing. Whereas, if I think... You think they're going the to the finals, you're saying, and winning the finals. Yeah, but I, th I think C9 is Team Liquid's only threat. In my opinion, I think the only threat to Team Liquid right now is C9. Interesting, and it's weird because like they're looking at like one of the weakest of the five. But the yeah. thing is, I still think you're right because I think their ceiling is high. And then that's something I heard Papa Smithy talking about on Hotline League tonight. And I I think he and you are both right. We've seen their ceiling this year, and it, it's just they're so far from it that it's so hard to put your finger on this kind of team. It's it's a nightmare to try to predict. But, uh, yeah, anyways, I, I think you bring up some good points. Um, okay, so you got C9 taking the last world spot. I got EG 
Uh, let's do the split awards. Hold on, I just uh, want, but quickly before we go, I just think that it's funny it. that we both don't have TSM, and I don't even. I remember. don't. I mean, I've been pretty, I've been pretty vocal that I don't like TSM's playstyle. Yeah, well, yeah it's long, just so. funny because like they were the number one seed. They've actually been looking pretty good against a lot of the teams, but I just, I, I I've said this so many times I in know. the past that I just feel like their style only works in NA. And I don't think yeah. that their style would do well internationally, and it doesn't do based on you know history. Um, I know whereas TSM you fans are gonna get pissed at me. I'm sorry, TSM fans. I don't have anything against you. I really don't. I do. They fucking but blow. I, Ra roast okay, me sure. instead of Blue Jay. Yeah, I'm sure. Anyways, I I, I feel bad for for TSM fans um, if things go the way I think they will because you're set up for a t you have a team that finished first, and you're like, yes, our team is great, and then you just get let down when they don't perform. Now, I mean, they still can perform, right? They can. I just don't see it as being likely. And if that happens, I think TSM fans have every right to be extremely disappointed. Alrighty. Um, neither here nor there. We'll move on quickly and quickly touch on more split awards for the LCS. Got announced on Tuesday, I believe, that Danny won Rookie of the Year. We kind no of both, yeah, we kind of no surprise there. We both talked about how well danny played in summer split um and then he showed he deserved it in over the weekend so yeah pretty much better. um and the next one that's supposed to come out which comes out i think on the 19th uh is the ftx will sponsor thrown in there ftx most improved player who'd you go with did you go olive yeah but to okay. be honest uh, it, it to me a blaze olive is the obvious answer that I haven't really given a lot of thought to anybody else that could win it. And I feel like you could throw out one name and I'd be like, ooh, that'd be interesting. So if you have a different name, I'd like to hear it. I got one. Budge. Okay. That guy fucking sucked at the start of the year. That guy oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think you said that in the past. My, my only reasoning for not, for not picking or like even considering that was just because from a background of like watching a lot of traditional sports and whatnot... Like, I don't know, it just it just feels a bit weird to give most improved to somebody who had no data the previous year. Yeah, that that's fair. Um, but the thing is, if you're not giving him any data, you shouldn't give all of any data either, because they were both in Academy. That's a good point. Yeah. Add that that's a good point. I can't, I have <laughs> nothing to say to that. I I have no defense. It's uh, indefensible. <laughs> I mean it's this is true. But yeah, no, but anyways, yeah, they both, I think they're both the ones that you're going to consider. Now, I think you could also consider Danny, but the thing is, Danny, I, I don't know if his lows that's were that low. That's even less data. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that's true. I don't think his lows were that low, and I think that's, that's the reason why I can't go with all of it. It's like, it's not even his fault, so I don't think his lows were that low. I do think he struggled in spring a little bit, but Fudge was freaking awful, man. He was really, really bad. Yeah. And now he's been really, really good. So, I, yeah, I got to go with Fudge. I think Fudge is going to get it. But I am interested to see, though. I am interested to see who did. Yeah. Okay, let's do our own awards. Pop off. I'm just going to say it. It's fucking Danny. That was the play of the year. I was so fired up. I was scaring my friend's dog that was sitting next to me as I was going ape shit watching this fight unroll, uh, unravel and whatever. It was insane. And it was so exciting. And I, I couldn't wait to get to the the pop-off bean soup just to give Danny the award. That was the play of the year for me. Uh, I hope that we see another play of the year, but uh, nothing rivals it for me, so. Um, I went with, oh, 
Hello? Lag spike? Oh, I think, yeah. I just heard, I heard like some weird audio scratch. Okay, nevertheless, I didn't pick a player or a team. I okay. picked a champion because mm. I've been hyping up this champion for a couple weeks now. Wait, who, don't, don't say it. Who the heck is it going to be? You've said it for a couple of weeks now. Should I know who this is? Am I mean, I... no. I didn't say it last week, but I said it the two weeks prior. Do I have any chance in hell of guessing this? Yes. Okay, give me like 10 seconds and then just say it if I don't. What the hell champion could this be? It's kind of, un it's not one you would think of, I think, like right oh, okay. now. Okay, well then forget it. Just go for well, it. But it, they had a lot of games this weekend. Trundle. Oh, he yeah, a lot I don't of, think I would have guessed that. He had a lot of games in the jungle. I actually, like, I've been hyping this champion up. One, because Divine Sunder is pretty broken on this champ. It plays yeah. really well from ahead, and it also plays pretty decently from behind because you can kind of, like, shift into more tank utility. We saw Santorn do a ton of work on it in the TL series. I think the champion, like I said before, is pretty sleeper broken, um, either in jungle or in top lane because a lot of the top and jungle meta pool right now is, like, tank bruiser type champions which trundle does so well into because of the alt with the subjugate and because of the q with the chomp stealing ad and stuff like that and i want to see more trundle champ really good yeah i i can get behind that i actually like watching trundle i know most people don't like it's not really a flashy champion Trundle's fun i as still fuck. enjoy it yeah i i still enjoy it uh so yeah uh bean soup i went off the board as well I went with those early game interviews that just interrupt things. I don't like them at all. I think that the coaches don't want to say anything because why would you? They're like, hey, what do you think of this pick? And they're like, uh, we're in game one. What do you want me to do? Just give away all of our strategies? So they basically say nothing. It just interrupts. It's especially bad for the co-streams because they're usually talking about something relevant. Actually, usually not relevant, but definitely more interesting. Uh, so yeah, I don't like those interviews. I think they gotta go. I, I see why they did it. I thought I think they had good intentions with them. They're just bad though. You, you can't spill the beans on your no pun intended on your strategy going into a series. Even if you're in like game three or four, it's just bad to do. So I don't like them. Beans well, soup. what I I'll, I'll I'm not okay. Well, what I was gonna say is they've actually done like I feel like a lot of fans thought that this was the first time they'd ever done this because they actually used to do this somewhat often back in like season seven and season eight especially when like ovali like first joined the broadcast they would do like an interview right as draft ended and champion like actual game started so like the interview would kind of run from like minute zero to like minute one and a half two whereas these ones are basically starting at like one and a half to two minutes and running to like four minutes and in almost in, in the majority of these games where we had interviews, like stuff was happening in the early game, and you're just hearing this jerk off interview with like no casting behind it, and it just felt like so terrible to watch like some something epic go around in the map, and like we're just hearing like a coach being interviewed, and they're like, we hop back into the castle, like oh my god, we missed everything, this happened. Yeah. It's like it's like dude, like if you're gonna do the interview. Do, like, and I know you probably can't do that with the whole setup because they want to have it in like the nice broadcast studio with the background. Like, I don't give a fuck. Just like stand behind a black curtain and do the interview right away. Like, I don't like. I, I don't mind the interviews. I just think the placement of them is really bad with like the timing of the game. Yeah, I don't think there's ever going to be a good time because sometimes. Well, I mean, we saw this year. I mean, it's rare, but you remember Jazuke died thirty seconds into a game because yeah. just ran it down. Like. Sometimes just things are going to happen. Like at any point in the game, things can happen. So, it's just yeah, less it's likely for stuff to happen from like minutes zero to two 
than two I, to four. I feel bad when I'm watching the VOD and like I'm like when I'm rewatching the VOD and like you just hear, okay, and we're gonna throw back the Captain Flowers, and he's like, Oh, we missed a fight, there's this happening and that yeah, exactly. happening. And it's like, man, like this is what you have Captain Flowers for is when crazy stuff happens, even in the early game, and you took that away from him. Well, I mean it's one team fight usually, but I mean yeah. still it's bad. But anyways, we've gone enough about this. What's your bean soup, Jane? I went with impact. I kind of said it when we were talking about the EG100T series. I thought he's just been getting a little bit overhyped, honestly. Not to say that he's been bad. I just think that he's been doing the classic impact thing where he's there, he neutralizes the lane, and he just does such a great job of doing that. But nowhere did I think he was like the second best top player in the league and thought that he deserved MVP consideration. And it felt like he kind of fell flat on his face a little bit in this series. Didn't look very yeah. good. Uh basically lost every single lane except for the one uh game five where they were kind of camping him he was playing like scion versus nar that was like the only game where i felt like he was doing anything uh yeah i think we can expect more out of impact still and yeah like it's I'm... actually something that we talked about last week and maybe the week before as well yeah. it's like he's kind of been i mean disappointing which is what the bean soup award is for yeah. so yeah yeah uh oh where's this comment did huh? I? Uh, man, I'm not going to be able to find it now. Oh, yes, I can find it. Hold on. Because there was something I saw on Reddit this week that I just, I had to read it out um, during our episode. Okay. So, yeah, this is a little bit random, but it's just too good. So, it was ask, it was a Reddit post. It was on r slash ask Reddit. So, people that you Reddit fiends will know exactly uh, what I'm talking about if you were browsing this week. It was asking people, like, what is one of the weird things that you've seen when you've gone to a friend's house that they thought was completely normal? And the, the top comment was, when I was in high school, a friend asked me and two other friends to his house for dinner. His mom served homemade bean soup, which was very good. Toward the end of the main course, she brought out chocolate cake for dessert. She cut each of us a slice and plopped it into our bowl in which we still had about an inch of bean soup in it us guests, exchanged, us guests exchanged puzzled glances but the family dug right in so apparently chocolate cake soaked in bean soup was an ordinary thing for them and i read this comment and i'm like Yes, I am reading this for our podcast this week during the bean soup. That is bean soup. That is so nasty. I want to try it now. No, you do not. Chocolate cake and bean soup. You don't want to try that at all. Dude, if There's they no think, if, they, if the family thinks they got something going there, I got to try it. Bean soup. I got to put it in the chat. Wait, I, 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 that was so messed up. I want to try it now. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. <laughs> That's disgusting. Anyways, I thought that was hilarious, so I had to read it out. Anyway, okay. Uh, let's let's move on. Quick news, right? That's that's it for yeah. the not, left on the yeah. docket. Not a lot of quick news, but we thought we'd do uh, a quick international update because obviously, as LCS playoffs are heading into round three this weekend, uh, playoffs around the world are starting up. We'll start with uh, the only one that hasn't started yet, LCK. Um, that's the LPL. I pulled up the wrong one. LCK playoffs. They start this Wednesday. Um, yeah, I think LCK, similar to the LCS, is actually pretty open this year. There's actually a lot of teams, I would argue the top four teams, I think all have a realistic chance of winning. Those top four teams being Damwon, Genji, T1, and Nongshim. I think any of those four could win. I think if you had to pick one, I would probably pick Damwon still. 
uh, I know Blue is a big Gen G stan, and we'll probably say Gen G, but um, as I've said in the past, I will still be rooting for T1 because League is always better when Faker's winning. I'm rooting for Gen G because, yes, I am Gen G stan, but that does not mean I think they are the, the favorite to take it. In fact, I think that... Well, I don't know. The thing is, it's weird because I actually haven't watched uh, enough LCK to have a strong opinion. But I did watch the series uh, that was on last night or this morning or whatever. I watched it today, and I saw BDD is getting the Syndra, and I said last week how good I think that pick is. And I still think, to this day, BDD is the best Syndra in the world. Uh, I think that's a pick you got to take away from him. So if he gets Syndra, yeah, sure. We'll take it all. I don't think they're going to get it. And I think Damwon's going to go right back to where they were in spring. I think Damwon is going to take it. But mm -hmm. to your point, Nongshim, they look good. Afrika, they look good. T1 look good. LSB, they all look good, man. Uh, to me, any of the six can actually take it. And I think they got four representatives going this year, right, for the LCK? They do, yep. So that's kind of cool. I'm happy because, well, yeah, I, I like a lot of these teams. Well, what, I, what I'm now realizing about this is there's no third place match. That means two teams from the gauntlet are going to like the the third and fourth seed are most likely going to be decided by the gauntlet because there was no I couldn't find any third place match. Yeah, that's interesting. So, Maybe they do a tiebreaker or something. I have no idea. That's a that's yeah, yeah, that is interesting. I'm not sure. Anyways, what's next? Let's do what? LPL now? Yeah. We got a uh, LPL up next. Obviously, you can see it's kind of already started. Uh take a look at the left side of the screen. LNG is a mess, man. Yeah, they do a lot of best of fives over in uh the LPL. But uh it's already been underway. I think they're heading into round two in this upcoming week. But as you can already see, LNG has eliminated both Sooning and Top Esports, uh, two representatives that went to Worlds 2020, and WE 3-0'd OMG and uh, BLG. I don't know what BLG is. Is that Billy Billy? Or... Yeah. Okay. I I'm just sad that Sooning's not going. I loved Sooning last year. They were my Chinese team. I, I, I don't know. SOFM is hella fun to watch. Yeah. So I'm a little sad, but if from what I did watch this year, they actually were uh, definitely noticeably weaker than last year. So honestly, I don't really think that they had a real chance of making a big splash at Worlds this year like they did last year. So I'm not that disappointed, but still a little disappointed to not see my boys going. Uh, I just, the thing is, I think that these teams are good man i think the lpl is definitely a favorite i think there's more threats in the lpl than there is the lck and so i i guess what i'm saying is this year i think the lpl is going to take the, the world championship yeah like like what i would say is if, if you compare the top four teams like i i know even na and eu they only get three seeds but if you compare the top four seeds from each region like what i would consider the top four in the lpl are fpx edg rng and lng and I think the only team in the LCK, I don't even think I would actually take any LCK team over any of those. If I would, it would be Damwon, only because of their of their experience. I would not take any EU team over any of those four teams. I would not take any NA team over any of those four teams. I am definitely in the LPL boat this year. LPL supremacy, I think, is what we're going to see at Worlds yeah. 2020. And just in case we didn't say all of the teams that are alive, did you say all the teams that are alive? I did not. Just to make it clear for our listeners, so FBX still in it, EDG still in it. Those two teams are ahead because they got like a bottom. FBX was number one seed, EDG was number two seed at the end of the regular yeah. season. And then RNG and LNG still have to play each other, and Rare Adam and World Elite still have to play each other. So there's those six teams 
that are still alive. And of course, they also have four teams that are going to be going to Worlds yeah. as well. Uh, uh, last... I'm not even going to make a prediction because I don't watch enough LPL. I'm going to say FPX because they're looking good. Um, okay. One thing I will say before we close out the LPL, um, as I did mention, Sooning and Top Esports got knocked out by LNG. That means all four teams from the LPL that went to Worlds in 2020 cannot oh. make Worlds 2021. Those four were Top Esports, Sooning, LGD, and JDG. JDG. Yeah, JDG was like one of the worst teams in the league this year, which was uh, a bit surprising. Yep. Alrighty. We got uh, the EU brothers over in the LAC. Uh, those got underway this past weekend. We actually had some really great series that whole weekend. I didn't really yes. get to watch any of the EU series, minus the Rogue Misfits one. I saw a few of the five games of that, but I heard only good things about every single series and that they were all super, super exciting. Yeah, they definitely were. Um, the thing is, I'm surprised Fnatic had to go to five games against Vitality. I didn't think Vitality was that good of a team this year. I thought that Selfmade was really trying to 1v9 the whole split. That's how it felt for me. Uh, so I, I, anyways, Fnatic did get the better of them. I thought that Rogue would, would beat Misfits a little bit more cleanly. Uh, I thought that Rogue was the best team in that league. I'm starting to think maybe it's Mad. I was really impressed with Mad's macro. Uh, so that series is going to be great. I'm really excited for that one. And I, I do think that the teams that are going to go to Worlds is going to be Rogue, Mad, and G2. I don't... This whole split long, I think that Fnatic was overperforming to what I actually thought they were. But I don't think by any means is G2 freely going to win uh, against Fnatic if it's Fnatic beating Misfits. Misfits are still alive. So they could also actually maybe I actually think Misfits might even beat Fnatic. It's hard to say, but um, yeah, honestly, I, now that I'm looking at it more and I'm thinking about it some more, I actually think any of those teams could move on. I but I do think it is Rogue, Mad, and G2 if I had to guess. Uh, I would definitely agree with that. I do think that it is kind of funny in the LEC. Most likely, we're going to see G2 and Fnatic fight it out for last world spot, and in LCS we have C9, TSM potentially. Uh, that one's a little less likely. Uh, because EG is looking good. Um, but LEC playoffs are shaping up to be pretty good. Like, I think... Yeah, they're great, man. From, they're from great. here on out, we're probably only going to see good series. Like, we have Rogue Mad in upper bracket, Fnatic Misfits in lower bracket, followed by G2 versus the winner, then followed by the winner of that series versus the loser of Rogue Mad, and then we'll see, most likely, some form of a rematch in the finals. It's going to be really, really good. Uh, LEC is something that the both of us watch... Fairly often, uh, I think Blue Jay watches a little bit more than me because um, he usually tries to watch every week. But LEC, while I don't think they're as strong as they once were in terms of peak G2 performances and whatnot, um, the split is also similar to NA, where I think there there are a lot of teams that can challenge for the championship and will just lead to exciting games. Yeah, I, I would agree with that notion. Yeah. Honestly, this is the best time of year, man. This is where, like, summer playoffs is when stuff really starts to ramp up. And I think you're seeing a lot of the viewership come back in LCS and LEC because the regular season just not as interesting. Not nearly. Like, these games are hella hype, these playoff games. So if you don't watch LEC, highly recommend it. If you don't watch LCS, highly recommend it. They're just, this, this is when it gets good. Uh, all right. Uh, not a lot of like actual quick news. Like I said, a couple quick things. Uh, Fnatic, uh, their top laner Adam, he got COVID, so Fnatic was yeah. playing from home in their playoff match this weekend against Vitality. Don't know uh, what that'll mean for Fnatic returning to the studio, or if 
you know, it doesn't seem like the LEC is going to choose to go remote again or play at home because they decided to not do that for this weekend and just only for Fnatic. So I probably would assume that next week Fnatic will also play from home. And should he maybe recover, maybe they'll be in the studio if they make it any further. Yeah, I was watching Champ Select and I kept seeing Yamato sit down in Adam's spot when they're doing draft. I was like, what the hell's going on there? I guess he was doing draft and then Adam was just playing from his house or something. Yeah, I, I would, know, yeah. Because he, he had would, COVID, right? I would think so. so yeah. Uh, next? next up, uh, we talked about this last week. Uh, Chiefs, a team in the LCO, which is OCE, uh, they got their official Riot competitive ruling. And they find them a very minuscule amount of money. Yeah, the thing is, it's like $2,500. That is not that minuscule for, like, they don't make a lot of money. And I don't even know if some players at all make money, depending. Like, that league is pretty dead, if I'm being quite honest. I would honest. hope they make money. Well, I hope they make some, but probably not a lot. Well, I mean, Where, I where's the, the money coming from? Well, I hope the players, I mean. Yeah, I, I know. I just don't see them making that much money. How much, like... I, I honestly have no idea. I have no idea Australian either. Would make. But I don't imagine it's a lot. There's not, like, the league was already really small, and then they, like, you know, they killed the league, and then they had to form, like, a new one. I don't know, man. I'm just saying, I think $2,500 is probably a lot to those players. Uh, I would have rather seen less, although I really hated what they did. I think they probably learned their lesson, and I don't think they're going to do it again. So that's that. Uh, one thing that we had in quick news, and I think we took it out, and this was my fault because I forgot to bring it up when talking about it, was the Alfari and Spica tweets before the series were Omega hype. Uh, so I think that that's something that fans should keep their eyes on for the rest of playoffs. Like, we've got some good banter in our league right now. That's something that was definitely missing. Uh, Alfari, Spica, Jazuke, CoreJJ, Cloud9 players, you get a bunch of them. Like, I think the Twitter game is getting a lot better, wouldn't you say, making the league more interesting? Yeah, it does feel like... Well, originally, people were concerned about, like, the lack of personality in the league with, like, the big names like Doublelift and Bjergsen retiring and that whole, like, yeah. trash talk element from Doublelift. And it felt like, you know, people are now trying to, like, fill that void. And, it, yeah, it, it, and it's, I think they're doing a good job of it's, it. It's good to see, like, trash talk on Twitter. It's funny. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, guys, that is going to do it for episode 55 of the Clown Fiesta podcast. We apologize for some of the technical issues that we had earlier, but it didn't take us too long to get back going again. This was our one live show. Uh, it's going to take a while before we have another one. JNT is on the road again. But as soon as we are able to do another live show, we'll definitely tweet out and let you guys know. Uh, we will miss you, but probably in two or three or maybe four weeks. We will try to do another live show again, but don't worry. We're going to do the best we can get our episodes out on YouTube and Spotify and the whole thing. Like always make sure to hit that sub button. This has been episode 55. Goodbye and see you next week.